0: when you need to know what's happening, it's 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 time to get In the Huddle with Carl Dukes and Jason LaConfora. Welcome back to another edition of In the Huddle. My man, Jason LaCanfora, Carl Dukes. Put him up. We are glad that you're here. Brian Balding will be with us later in the week, guys. We've got two weeks left in the NFL, two. And then wow. it's playoff time. And Jason, hope you had a great Christmas. Looking forward you to too, a... Brother. Me, man, it was great. Uh, It was a lot of fun having football on, you know, on Christmas Eve and on Christmas Day. It was great. And then we're looking forward to a great new year. We are glad that you guys are here as well. Again, subscribe, like us, tell your friends. We put out new episodes every Tuesday, Thursday. It's all about the NFL in the huddle. All right. Let's start with the news that came down for the Denver Broncos. It wasn't a surprise. Jason and Baldy and I have been telling you guys this was going to happen. Now – The thing is that the Broncos didn't wait till the end of the season to do it. They fired Nathaniel Hackett. What is this an indictment of? Because I felt like, Jason, the Broncos just said, blank this. I'm talking about the players. They were like, blank this. They didn't play at all in their game the other night. And I'm watching this game. And listen, to use the word quit, right? We're always careful because these are professional athletes. We don't want to indict them and say, hey, these guys quit. But I thought they quit.
1: Yeah, I felt the defense kind of said enough's enough. Like we, you know, we played at an elite level. We held this thing together for four months, you know, 16 weeks. But all right, we're going to come out and throw picks right off the start. <laughs> we might not we might not rally this time. You know, like we we <laughs> might not bow up and try to hold them under 17 to try to win this thing because we're kind of done with that. And you know what? On this day, we might have had to hold them, uh, hold them under ten, and they were at seventeen, like that. So, I think Jason, it was inevitable. You, you had pushing and shoving
0: on the yeah. sidelines with guys. I mean, you don't see this The kind backup of crap. quarterback
1: was involved. I mean, which is like, <laughs> yeah, he, 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 the one guy who didn't have any role in this whatsoever. Um, yeah, it's not a good look for anybody. You could literally see. A poorly constructed process, a poorly constructed coaching staff, a poorly constructed um, attempt to compete just literally fall apart at the seams in real time in a bunch of different ways. Look, we've been talking about this for a long time. I think it was around week six I wrote a piece at the Washington Post, talked to a lot of smart people in this league, and everyone could see that this wasn't going to work and that these new owners – we're not going to be able to send out season ticket renewals. You know, hey, here's what you owe me for next year. It's another year of Hackett ball. It'll be better next time. I promise. It, year two will be on the upswing. I mean, like, it was past the point of no return. Even then, um, he wasn't ready. And the ownership, the timing of the ownership taking over in the middle, you know, in October, definitely, you know, or at least a- after, some of these moves have been made, didn't work in his favor either. The really s- smart, and if you want to say it would have been ballsy or whatever thing, that's fine. But if I really think if in week six, where you see this is an elite defense and you see that the head coach is over his skis and, and the off and the staff is is not what it needs to be. I really think if you go to a Gary Kubiak, if you go to a Marvin Lewis, somebody mm-hmm. like that and say, Can you give us three months? We think with the right leadership, with this defense and some of the pieces we have, and you figure a little something out with this quarterback, we we could still salvage this season. And doing it now is, you know, giving it to Jerry Rosberg, who, you know, is a well-respected guy, but sure. he's a special teams coach who came in to prop this coach up in what, week three, when it was clear he didn't know when to call timeouts and when to punt and when to go for it and when to kick field goals. It would have been tough for a first-time ownership group to do that. But I think it would have been the right move for the GM. And now, I don't know if George is going to be there to hire this next coach or not. Um, But clearly, Hackett wasn't ready. I think clearly they did this with Aaron Rodgers in mind. Like, we're going to bring in Aaron Rodgers quarterback coach to recruit Aaron Rodgers. And that didn't work. And he never really got on the same page as Russell Wilson. And you're wondering, why aren't they activating his legs more? Why aren't they simplifying things? Why aren't they implementing more RPOs? And, and this is stuff, again, we were writing and talking about months ago, um, and it just never happened. And Russ is certainly a part of the problem. And now, Carl, I think they've got to try to find um, a profile of a coach who, A, has done it before and done it somewhat successfully. B, um, is it, it either if he's not the offensive guru, that then the staff he's bringing in includes someone at a coordinator level who gets Russell Wilson, who knows Russell Wilson on some level, who has worked with Russell Wilson in the past. They've got to build a bridge here because they're stuck with this quarterback.
0: Yeah, Uh, and here's the other thing, Jason. As we talk about the firing of Nathaniel Hackett, he's not going to be the last, guys. I mean, Black Monday's right around the corner in a couple of weeks, and we're going to be talking about other coaches, and you may be like, whoa, I didn't expect that. This one we expected. Yes. Why is it that these NFL teams, okay, and, and, and again, I don't want to make this necessarily a black or white thing, but we know the opportunities for African-American coaches, um, even a guy in Kansas City for the last three years who's been yeah. a hot commodity hasn't gotten a chance, and Eric B. enemy. But why is it that this continues to happen when we see guys who necessarily haven't called plays, but they've been in and around a successful situation like Aaron Rodgers? his 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 resume – for the most part, the Broncos said, as you as you mentioned, they wanted to bring Rodgers there, and it didn't happen. But it was also, he he's worked with Aaron Rodgers for three years, and therefore he's qualified to be a head coach. And that was bullshit. He wasn't. Yeah. I mean, he got the job. The clock management was in question from day one. They had yeah. multiple issues starting week one with him, you know, how he might manage the clock. Then you start to see the play calling. Then you're last in the league in points scored at 15 a game. All of this stuff was culminating – And it was based on the fact of the idea that these organizations, Jason, continue to go, well, he's worked with this guy, and therefore it's going to be successful. And it's crap.
1: Yeah, no, it is crap. Um, And look, it's also the staff they put together. When it's a staff of a bunch of other young guys who you're giving their first opportunity to do this or their first opportunity to do that, there wasn't enough there there. There wasn't enough old heads who could balance that out, um, who could see early on, you know, hey, I got to, I got to talk to you, coach here. You know, you're missing, you're missing a few things here and you do it, you know, you pull them aside and you can see some of those red flags coming. You know, you need to have a guy like that in your corner. and, And he really didn't. Um, look, these hiring processes are often racist, are often lazy are often driven by narratives that agents and people who have a vested interest in the outcome, uh, Push on these owners who far too easily fall for it or take the okie doke because they are lazy or racist or both, um, or just not invested enough in truly making this a meritocracy and finding the best human being possible for these jobs um, and doing it in a, a profound and robust way. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it just, it, it, that's not really how it works. The right person whispers the right name in their ear at the right time. And he's got the right last name, and he worked with the right people. And it's about who was your daddy, and who have you worked with, right? And 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 who who do you know that I know? And old boy network, and nepotism, and cronyism, and yeah, they, they it's 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 kind of shameful.
0: It, it is. I, I want to mention this, and we'll move on because I've had these conversations with Mike Tomlin off the record. Um, I've had these conversations with Raheem Morris off the record. Um, and I'm talking about coaches who've been in this league for a long time, black coaches. And I asked them the last few years as we've gone through this process. And I said, what what needs to happen? And they said, listen, we like guys like us need to also be involved in this process. Why are you going to coaches who don't know other young black coaches who may be up and coming and may be the next right. wave of guys? We are the guys who know those guys, and we need to be able to have those conversations with owners. Those things aren't happening. Now, this is a whole separate conversation as we talk about Nathaniel Hackett, but I want to say this. Even though Nathaniel Hackett was the wrong hire, you give a guy like Todd Bowles the job, he's been a head coach. Bowles, in my opinion, has been terrible. He's not been a good head coach, and the Buccaneers are still probably going to win this division in the NFC South, but this is not necessarily once you get the job, you don't have to prove yourself. Todd Bowles, to me, if they moved on from him after the season, I wouldn't be surprised, sure. even if they win the NFC South. So I want to be clear about this as we talk about it. It is about opportunity, but at the end of the day, it's also about performance and winning and doing the things that you're hired to do. And I think Todd Bowles took a step back this year with the Bucs, and you guys see it. They don't scare anybody. That's a that's a team with Tom Brady yep. that you go, eh. So with that said, Nathaniel Hackett's is one thing. You give a guy like Todd Bowles a job, where you say, hey, all the pieces are in place, and he doesn't really utilize it, it goes both ways. So you got to take advantage of these opportunities. All right, Jason, let's move on, man. It's Jason Lock on for Carl Dukes. It's in the huddle. Let's talk about these Jaguars. Whoa. They beat the Jets. Trevor Lawrence is on a hell of a run. And now yeah. all of a sudden, the playoff pitcher in the AFC looks a lot more interesting with the Jaguars potentially involved. Can they make noise in the playoffs, Jason? Well... I think so. Um,
1: I mean, I don't I don't think they're ready to compete for a Super Bowl, but could they win a playoff game and put a scare in somebody the following week or maybe even win two games? I, I don't think it's out of the question. Um, you know, the seating will, will have certainly something to say about that and the matchups if they get in, but I would not be surprised if they get in. And the, the, the quirky thing this week is they end the Titans don't have a ton to gain by going out and, you know, selling out to try to win their games this week because it's going to come down to their Week 18 head-to-head matchup one way or the other. So, you know, Mike Vrabel's got a really beat-up roster. And just listening to him talk after their, uh, you know, horrible loss to the the Texans, he sounded like somebody who felt like he needed to punt this week and, and play, you know. Hold back guys like Derrick Henry, hold back his, his war horses, the guys who fought the hardest for him to try to save him for one last battle in week 18. Whereas I don't think that's Doug Peterson because Doug Peterson's got a team that's on fire right now. Yeah. And a team that is peaking and ascending, and all these different pieces now, you know, are, are coming together and especially offensively. So I don't – I you know, I think Doug Peterson is going to try to win every game he can and just keep winning. And, you know, whatever his next loss is happens some point in the playoffs. Um, yeah, the offense is certainly dangerous. There, there's no two ways about it. You know, and the defense gets just enough pressure, and I feel like they're getting better play in the secondary and getting just enough splash plays, turnovers, um, drive-stopping drive plays to – where they're absolutely dangerous. And if you're going to rank the teams in the AFC, you know, one way to start is ranking the quarterbacks. I mean, is he number four? You know, right now, Lawrence, wow. you know, yeah. would you, would you put Herbert in front of him based on the way the Chargers call games? You know what I mean? And the, that dinky dunk rinky dink offense. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know, you know, like frankly, Doug, Doug Peterson, trusts Trevor Lawrence much more than Brandon Staley and Joe Lombardi trust, trust Herbert. So yeah, I think that gives them, I think it gives them a fighting chance. I mean, you look at the rest of the teams, you know, who are either going to be in like Baltimore, right. Who've clinched or teams like new England and the jets and the dolphins and um, you know, and the Titans and the Steelers, you know, yeah. all these teams on the periphery. That group that's bunched up, yeah. Jax, would you rather have Trevor Lawrence and Zay Jones and Evan Ingram and Travis Etienne? Yes, and yes, and Marvin Jones. And uh, you know, would you rather have that or these other outfits on offense?
0: I, I'm with you. And by the way, speaking of, of the Jets, J E T S, Jets, Jets. Are they cooked? Are the Jets cooked? Even with Mike White coming back, are they done?
1: Well, look, they face this. They face Seattle. Right. And these two these are two teams who are carbon copies of each other in many ways from you're looking at them. I think the Jets were, what, six and two with their bye. Um, Seattle was, I think, six and three it, at one point, And the bottoms completely dropped out for both of them. And the quarterback play has really declined. Now, that's yeah. not, you know, Mike White's fault. Mike White got hurt. But, um, you know, Mike White had a couple of really nice games and, and then they've had to go in other directions. I don't know. You know, it's ribs, man. Like a lot of times that you shoot them up and then the first time you get hit, like nobody's touching Mike White in practice. You know what I right, mean? Like you will not right. really know until you're out there playing tackle football again. Um, they're going all the way to Seattle. You know, that's tough. I, I think Seattle is who we thought they were at the beginning of the year. Uh, you know, an afterthought, a team that, you know, has made some strides, but is not ready to compete. But this is a desperation ball. Um, so it may prove to be a little bit of a tough spot for the Jets. I lean to the Jets here because of the superior defense and because they're getting Mike Mike White back, and that gives them a boost of energy, a boost of confidence. You know, they don't have to deal with that whole Zach Wilson thing. Uh, but, man, I don't think Woody Johnson's real happy right now, you know. I don't yeah. think ownership's real happy with how the last five, six weeks have gone. With how this quarterback situation has gone, I mean, they took this kid second overall, and now he's behind Streveler blah, 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 on the, <laughs> the, the practice o- on the injury, on the depth chart. Like,
0: how do you say it? How do you say it? <laughs> streveler. <laughs> yeah,
1: but I always I like to.
0: Oh, I know it's great. Had a
1: few syllables Listen, and stuff, when,
0: Jason. When this kid came in, I, I'm watching and I'm going, "Who is this?" Yeah, like I'm like, "Who is this guy?" And there's, you know, I don't even know who called the game. I forget. uh, And they're like, yeah, he's the practice quarterback. And I'm like, bro, you just got benched for the practice squad quarterback. I mean, it doesn't get any worse. At home
1: in prime time. Yeah. While they're booing you off the field. So I think there's going to be some questions asked by ownership about this staff. You know, I don't know that that entire offensive staff's coming back. I think the GM, Joe Douglas, um, might have some awkward conversations with ownership here in a few weeks. And no, I'm not convinced they're getting into the playoffs, but. You know, if Mike White, Mike White does his thing, um, and they do win this game, it certainly you can you can change your perspective on them a little bit and look at it through the prism of well, when that guy was under center,
0: right?
1: It was you know that was we're, a playoff. We're a better season. team, yeah. We're yeah. a better
0: team.